This is 51st Dates, and I'm your host, Joey Moore. They say that hindsight is 2020. I decided to find out if that's true. Every week, I'm going to read a chapter from my memoir, 51st Dates, then give you the backstory and commentary on what really went down. It's been two whole years since I went on these dates, and I'll be experiencing them along with you as I read. We'll find out together if my future self learned anything. I don't know if I have anything figured out, but at least we'll share some laughs along the way. Dating in Southern California is nothing if not entertaining. Ready? Strap in. Let's go. You know, I should remind you that I am reading this along with you. Everything I'm reading is nearly a year old, so it's new to me. Um, You know, this week I just actually finished a book called Mr. Unavailable and The Standby Girl by a British blogger named Natalie Liu, um, which is L-U-E. I think that's right. Um, What was interesting about it is that, okay, so I think I picked it up. So last week um, when I was reading the date, I had noticed that I said that I swiped left on everybody who was asking for a relationship. And then apparently I swiped right on all the hookup guys, fuck boys, whatever people call them. But I wasn't aware that I had done that because I guess if you asked me, maybe I would have said I was just looking for hookups. Um, but I feel like secretly I was really looking for a relationship. Um, although apparently my unavailable self was like, swipe left, leave these relationship guys alone. Don't mess with their lives. So after, um, I read that out loud, um, and went through the shock of realizing that I had just like put my unavailability out there, I, um, was probably Googling or who knows, like on Amazon looking. And I came upon this book, Mr. Unavailable and the Fallback Girl. And what it was, it was just a list of all the qualities of people who are emotionally available. So when I'm reading it, I'm thinking, well, of course, like I've dated a lot of people in the last year and I would say a lot of them were emotionally unavailable. You know, look at me. Um, But as I read on further, she, after listing all these traits of unavailable men, she's like, so you know the reason that you're with an unavailable guy? And I'm like, no, tell me the reason I'm with an unavailable guy. She's like, because you're unavailable. And like, sometimes I have glimpses of that. Like, I am not unaware of that. Sometimes. Um, self-awareness, you know, it comes and goes. But I really, that book actually really, really made me think. And I think that maybe... I have probably been emotionally unavailable my whole life. And of course, you know, she goes to the background. She's like, if you grew up with abuse and trauma, and then you had some more abuse and trauma, you're the definition of unavailable. And um, it's, it's actually sort of a hard and bitter pill to swallow because it is not 100% how I perceived myself. And... Um, I feel like at least my memory, not for clear from when I wrote, but my memory was that I went into d- dating, eh, you know, sex, because sex is good and I wasn't getting any, but also, look, let's see what happens and if a relationship lands in my lap, I don't know, then yay, I'm ready for the big, great love of my life. Clearly, 
That is not true. So that book was like, I don't know, kick in the teeth, a punch in the throat, like, you know, a kick in the nuts if I had some. It was a really bitter pill to swallow. It's like 300 pages of my big thin pathology that explains why perhaps, as I'm going to read going forward, I seek out or sought out a lot of unavailable guys. So, um, I don't know. There's a, you know, the phrase knowledge is half the battle is actually one that I don't subscribe to. Um, because if knowledge was half the battle, we'd have no war. We wouldn't have like climate change. You know, everybody would be skinny. Like, like knowledge of how to fix things or how to change isn't half the battle. It's just the, the shame brick that you hit upside your head. Um, knowledge is just like that first step, like that first like peek through the door. So of course, you know, I, uh, spent the week trying to figure out, okay, so I am like 99.9% sure that I want like a true relationship, like a true partnership and, um, haven't had that. So I then started thinking about what would change me from being like the fallback girl or Mrs. Unavailable, Ms. whatever, as it were, and what would make me like emotionally available? Um, and I don't have the answer to that. Maybe there's a book between this week and next that I can read that will uh, give me an answer on that. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get to uh, the next date. Number eight, The Amazing Date, February 8. On Super Bowl Sunday, I wasn't watching the Super Bowl. Actually, I don't quite remember what I was doing. Maybe writing, maybe reading, maybe not much of anything. But like other days, when I found myself with a few minutes on my hands, I went swiping on Tinder. Like I'd said to Thunderbolt, this app was either the best idea ever or the beginning of the downfall of Western civilization. Believe it or not, I'm still not sure. Although to be honest, it's probably a bit of both. Anyway, some Sunday when my neighborhood was full of cheering, I was swiping. As usual, a cute guy popped up. I'd already given you the parameters of my type. He was numbers one and two. He fit into it to a T. Super cute, long hair. His bio promised that he was laid back with no drama or issues. After years of nothing but drama and issues, I'm learning to love life that's drama-free. So I swiped and matched and messaged. Weird thing is that Bumble is not the only app where you have to message first. I've heard that on Tinder. It's full of guys messaging you. They swipe on me, but rarely message me. And when I initiate, they always say I'm too pretty to message. Newsflash, pretty girls want to date too. Anyway, this guy, I'm going to call him Classic Car for reasons that will become obvious later, replied. He was also not watching the Super Bowl. He was born and raised in Southern California. It's a thing. Not everyone is a transplant. I usually go for East Coast guys, but that didn't turn out to be a good decision many times over, so I was willing to branch out. There are a lot of conversations I have on apps, but there was something about this guy that got to me. Maybe it was that we'd both gone to Catholic school and had both been in constant trouble for talking, or maybe it was that he loved traveling as much as I did. He'd just gotten back from a trip. 
It was probably the story he told me about the one time he tried being in a band. His friend had gotten him a little bit drunk, and the next thing he knew, he was fronting their band and covering the doors before a live audience. Something about that was both endearing and vulnerable. It hooked me like a fish. Or it was that he was super cute with long hair. It's probably the last thing, as shallow as that is. Either way, next thing I knew, I was giving him my number. Let me tell you something. This guy has mastered the texting game. He's not the smoothest with words, but he was good. Every morning there was a good morning text, usually in Spanish. Every night there was a good night text, and in between little funny doses of his daily life. He buys and refurbishes old cars. He still has his first car, a 1996 Plymouth Sport Fury. He just spent some time in Mexico. He liked jazz standards, so I was super excited to see him on Friday. It was the first date that I was really looking forward to. I wish I could pinpoint what it was that got me, because my friends have asked me more than once. I still can't answer. He was cute. He had long hair. He took a mean selfie, and he knew his way around a text. Unlike nearly every other person I'd swiped right on, he wasn't an artist or singer or documentary filmmaker. He was in sales, of all things. Every time I've told friends that, they frowned in complete misunderstanding. But he's not painting or writing or tortured, they ask. I'd shake my head and produce a Mona Lisa smile because I didn't have an answer, although I was starting to think that maybe I'd had enough of the tortured artist in me for the both of us. Friday came all too quickly. We'd agreed to meet at Harlow, a huge bar in West Hollywood, my stomping grounds. He lives far out in the San Gabriel Valley, the home of cities like Pasadena, Almonte, and San Marino, and probably a whole long list of others I don't know the name of. Everyone said you should only date people who live close by. Thunderbolt insisted on a two or three mile radius, but I was willing to bend that rule, especially if he was willing to drive. I have this game I play with myself before each date I decide what kind of girl I'm going to be. The answer usually pivots between hot girl and cool girl. In a different life, I'd probably have loved being manic pixie girl, but don't now, and probably didn't then, have the ability to manifest that energy and carry it off. And I'd burned through too many years of geeky but cute smart girl, and I was ready to leave that one behind. That night, I had landed on cool girl. I got there early, handed over my card to run a tab, and got a pinot to keep me company. In the meantime, I texted with my guy friend and downstairs neighbor about sex and dating in L.A. He's been divorced four years longer than I and had more answers than questions. I alternated between texting him, flirting with a different guy on OkCupid, who kept promising to come and take care of any creepy guys who bothered me, and my Kindle. But honestly, none of it could keep my attention. I was nervous, freaking nervous. I hadn't been nervous since forever. Instead, I watched my Pinot disappear into my jiggling leg. When it trilled, I lifted my phone, and this time the text was from my date. He was a couple minutes out, parking. Me? What are you wearing? Classic car? My birthday suit. Pause. I watched the gray dots pulse. That was a joke. Sport coat. Classic car? Blue jeans? Cowboy boots? Long hair? He was true to his word. He'd actually made an effort, so I was thrilled to stand up from the leather chair I'd been sitting in for far too long and hug him. Yes, girl, he smelled so good. Broad shoulders, great scarf, better hair. Since I couldn't sex him up right there, though, trust me, I thought about it. I backed away and returned to my chair. He sat on another 
chair catty corner from me. He ordered a beer of some kind after consulting with the server. I have no idea about beer, and I'm not adding it to my list of things to learn about. I had a second Pinot. After an hour or so, his face got all serious. You have kids? One son. He's nine. I'll show you a picture. Like most moms, I imagine I have a million pictures of my kid on my iPhone. Some of those are weird selfies that my son can take without unlocking the phone. So I showed him the latest, my son smiling while daydreaming in my dining room. I have two, he said. For some reason, that surprised me. Again, it wasn't in his very slim profile. He showed me pictures of his one-year-old son and three-year-old daughter. We talked about kids for a bit. I mentioned that I didn't have my kid on weekends. He didn't say anything about his own custody schedule. It seemed intrusive to ask. More wine came. Fortunately, he'd ordered food and, more importantly, water as well. Then we talked for another three hours about what I couldn't tell you. He was smart and funny and humble and interesting. Then West Hollywood late night life happened. What do I mean? Well, it went from cool adults in their 30s drinking and laughing and eating bar food to half-naked 21-year-olds. When the host asked us to stand up so they could take out the furniture, I figured that was our cue. Did I mention I was nervous and holding up the cool girl facade was taking all of my energy? Did I mention that California wines are hugely alcoholic? Did I mention my third drink? Yeah, I'm only five foot two. That my third drink was a Long Island iced tea? I was able to stand and get on my suede jacket only with a massive dose of concentration. Getting into a sedan for that two block ride home? That, that was a challenge. I chalked it up to the fact that I have an SUV and am accustomed to stepping up into a car rather than sitting down in one. That would have been a lie. It was because I'd gone from cool girl to drinking girl in a matter of hours, and holding my liquor was all I could do. Not walk or talk, but hold my damn liquor so I didn't really embarrass myself or ruin the upholstery in his Nissan. We rode the few locks to my place, and he pulled in behind my building. At least that was something I could do, direct him down the driveway and into the parking by my back door. Thank God he had manners or chivalry or good game and came around to open the door. Honestly, I don't think I could have done that on my own. Figured out how to pull the handle of the sedan's passenger door. He helped me stand. One second, I was hugging classic car guy. The next, I was flat out kissing him. It was good, that kiss. So good that I thought for one hot second about inviting him in. Fortunately, drinky girl had a moment of clarity. I wanted to see him again. And if I wanted to see him again, the one thing I couldn't do was invite him in. So I separated myself from him and told him good night. I watched him pull out, then went upstairs to my back door. Sadly, drinky girl became just plain drunk girl, and I lost my shit. I may have sat on my back steps giggling like a hyena. Why? Because I soon discovered that I could not open my door. I have one of those locks with a code. Usually I type in the code, open the door, and I'm home. This night, I discovered that didn't work. That after several failed attempts, the door locks you out for a few minutes. I think... It took me a solid 10 to get inside. By the time I had gotten my pajamas on and had curled up on the couch, this text was waiting for me. Classic car. Had a great time. Me. Still too drunk for texting, but there was no one to take away my damned iPhone. I did as well. Even though I probably had a drink too many, I'd love to see you again. Please have a safe drive home in your everyday car. Classic car. No way. You're good. Let loose. Me. I never do it. Uber got me. Classic car good for you. So that's why you kissed me. Me, spiraling downhill quickly. No, I wanted to kiss you the moment you sat down, but I have restraint. 
in person, clearly not behind the glowing blue screen of my phone. Classic car. Don't you ever do that again, lol. Me. I only touched her hair once. See, I'm good. Classic car. You're good regardless. Me. Thanks. Had a great time, really. I was nervous, and I'm not usually nervous. Classic car. I was nervous also. Didn't notice you were. Me. I'm usually way more chill, but I needed that wine before you got there to chill me out. Classic car. Didn't notice. Me. Yeah, yeah. Classic car. Well, then me showing up late was a good thing. Me. It was. I had time to calm the hell down. Classic car. LOL. You're too funny. Me. Not really. Too old to be nervous. But good looking guy plus date after a whole day alone talking to myself equals nerves. But now I'm good and should obviously not be on this phone spilling my guts. Classic car. Thank you for the compliment. Me. You are very welcome. I had a great time, really. Classic car. Next time when I see you, please don't feel the need to restrain yourself. I actually like that personal touch. Just kiss me next time. Me. I try not to be too forward. Classic car. Don't worry about it. I actually appreciate that. If you have to hide how you feel, then you're not being you. Does that make sense? So let's get it out in the open. I'm very, very attracted to you. To be honest, I wanted your kissable lips on mine. Me? Same here. Great texting, right? I mean, drunk texting, but good nonetheless. I was psyched. It was the single best date I'd had so far. Then you know what happened? Classic Carby packed his bags and got on a jet plane for Guatemala. Yep, from great date to international travel. After this, he texted for a week. Pictures of Central America, sweet nothings in English, and be still my beating heart Spanish because he figured out quite quickly that I grew up speaking it at home. The next question was, of course, whether date two would live up to the first. The thing is, that date was totally amazing. I can't tell you, like, after, you know, Mr. Parisian short boy suit or short pants suit, um, it was, uh, you know, after Friends with Benefits, um, it was so good. I, uh, I can't remember the last time I had, like, instant chemistry with somebody. Maybe I was, like, 17 or 18, but it was, like, this huge spark, um, he can talk and I love people who can talk. He was funny. He was smart, um, super engaging, spoke English and Spanish fluently, which I love. Um, so half of my family, um, group is Puerto Rican. So, um, well, English and Spanish were spoken in my home. And, um, so I sort of just, and I don't, <laughs> I'm going to say this is the bizarre thing I've ever going to say. I live in Southern California, but don't get to speak Spanish often. Um, I actually just don't. I don't even know what to say. That doesn't even make any sense. I mean, I hear people speak Spanish. I'm just never talking to them. So um, it was it was just, um, I don't know, something about it felt just really good. Um, and I don't even know what I was nervous. Like, I'm not spending all my time, like, worrying about whether he liked me or not. I was just nervous. Um, but super fun, super attractive. Um <laughs> Uh, who knows? I, uh, well, I know what happens in the end, but, um, you'll find out soon enough. (laughs) 
I'm Jolie Moore, and this has been 51st Dates, the podcast. If you enjoyed listening, I hope you'll share, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. It will help others find the craziness that is dating in Southern California. Also, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you'd like to read ahead, my memoir, 51st Dates, is available wherever books are sold. A link is always included in the show notes. I'm also a romance writer. If you want to know more about my books, please visit joliemore.com for more information. You can also follow me on Instagram at xojoliemore and on all social media at the same handle, xojoliemore. Thanks for listening, and I'll be in your ears next week.